hey, get your fetish porn out of my horror movie. No, you get your horror movie out of my fetish porn. We watched Blood Gnome. We watched it so you don't have to. So you know what time it is. Welcome, Moon Goons, to another wonderful episode of the Horrible Horror Podcast, the podcast where we watch the worst of the worst in horror movies, movies so bad they're scary. I'm your host, Mr. Marshall Hampton. Joining me remotely again today is my co-host, my buddy, Mr. Aaron Southworth. How are you doing on this fine Sunday afternoon, Aaron? Coming to you from my wife's closet. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do these recordings in my wife's closet because she's got a whole bunch of clothes set up in here and it dampens the noise. There's no reverberation. It, it's the best uh, sound quality I can get. Uh, but we just ordered a whole bunch of Ikea closet space things. We have a whole extra room with nothing in it. We have four-bedroom house, but we don't have one. So we're going to make it a closet, and I'm going to get her a small closet to make my own little studio. So I'm excited about that. All right. Um, so, yeah, they don't have a whole lot to go into this week. So um, this movie, Blood Gnome, was suggested to us by uh, Brandon Schneider. Um, so thanks to Brandon for uh, for this movie. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, that's, uh, it, this is this is one that we had to buy too. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I had to buy this one because um, you can only find it right now on disc from Amazon. So I had to buy not one but two copies of this of this uh, well film, I guess you movie. want to call it movie. It's movie, <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, it's it's technically it's a, a film, and uh, movie. maybe that's telling you something that it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, uh, it was released straight to video on March twenty seventh of two thousand four. It's written and directed by John uh, Lachago, I think is how you pronounce the name. He's got nine credits as director. This was his first, like, uh, released movie uh, that he did. Uh, and then he would go later on, he'd go on to direct Killjoy 3, 4, and 5 <laughs> for full oh, moon. Um, and that's really all he's that he's going to be known for right now. Um, the cast, there's not a whole lot of people we're talking about in this one. Our lead character, Daniel, is played by Vinny Balancio. He's got 36 credits, including Killjoy Goes to Hell, where he played the tramp clown. Uh, Werewolf in a Women's Prison, which sounds awesome. And Sorority yes, House please. Massacre. Uh, then we have a cameo. Uh, the BDSM goddess is played by Julie Strain, who we just saw last back. week. She's back again. Back-to-back -back episodes. Yeah. yeah, so we might have a future Hall of Famer creeping up on us here. Um, and then, dear Lord, then cop number one is played by Al Burke, who's got over 200 credits to his name. But I doubt anyone knows who the fuck he is because they're all small and bit parts. However, he goes by the nickname Mr. Outrageous, and he briefly wrestled for the WWF back in the day before it became WWE. And um, this at the time that this movie was released back in 2004, uh, he was still wrestling on the indie circuit. So. 
There's Mr. that. Mr. Outrageous. Mr. Outrageous. I don't know if that's his wrestling that's a fantastic. Just... That's a fantastic name. It's like, <laughs> there's Mike Awesome and Just Incredible. Yeah. But this guy's just saying, fuck the first name part. I'm just Mr. Oh, I already forgot it. What was it? <laughs> Outrageous. Outrageous. I don't know why. I just fucked that up. Great. <laughs> it's one of those days, man. It's one of those days. It's hard, hard sleeping last night. But yeah, me too. I'm man. here, baby. I'm I here. A, I had a terrible night sleeping last night. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're pretty low energy. <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm gonna try to pick it up here. I'm gonna try to pick it up. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm working on it. So we're just gonna jump. We're gonna go. I'm on. not. <laughs> we're going to the movie now, and we open with this bleach blonde-haired drug dealer. Uh, in a smoke-filled room. And, of course, this bleach blonde hair is, like, the in style in the late 90s, early 2000s. I guess it was, like, all thanks to Eminem, everybody, you know, this bleach blonde look. Um, and he's in this smoke-filled room calling out for somebody named Alondra, uh, who, for some reason, he can't see, even though she's clearly standing right in front of him against the wall, just standing I, I, there. I, I... I did like that part. I did the, where are you? Where are you? And it's like, he didn't even put effort to put like a shadow in front of her. No. She's just a little further back. Yep. Just <laughs> plainly, plainly visible. Uh, he basically says, I'm here for his, you know, I'm here for my pickup. Alana tells him that she'll go get his stuff, but don't touch anything while I'm gone. So of course is he, she, that's immediately what he starts doing. He starts touching things and he's looking about monkeying around with crap. Yeah. yeah. And he looks like he's about to shoot himself up with some drugs or something. But he starts to hear a noise come from behind him. He turns around and sees this large wooden crate that has air holes in the side of it, and it's emitting light and smoke from it. So there's smoke and like light coming out of these air holes. He kneels down to get a closer look at it, and that's when several long tentacles come shooting out of the top of the crate, wrap around his neck. They start pulling him into the crate, and we see this giant, gaping, fang-filled mouth um, trying to be- eat him. Elana runs up, saves him by and like telling the creature to let go of him. The creature listens to her, releases the dude from its grip, and retreats back into the crate. The dude's like, "What the hell was that?" But Elana's like, just says, "You know what?" Ignores him, says, "You got the drugs, you sell the drugs, and remember, don't sell to the BDSM community." And then sends him on his way. So no yeah, explanation. So, yeah, <laughs> this this, this kind of looks like an Audrey Two esque kind of thing. You know, from Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors, the face. You kind of always see close-ups of it, so you don't get a good full look at it. Right. But I'm, I'm like, okay, where, where, where are we going with this? I'm, I'm actually a little intrigued. Right. Um, I and I am too at this point. Uh, so, uh, she looks back in the crate, uh, opens the lid, pets the tentacles for a bit, and then says, "He's too rich for you. Like, you, you won't like him. He's too rich for your diet." She looks back over her shoulder and says, "It's time to feed mother." go and then we see like these two like ghostly white blurs move across the screen accompanied by some like growling and and gnarling sounds very much like that uh we roll the opening credits which are played over a black and white montage of a bdsm session that includes a guy tied up in ropes with his hands bound above his head hanging from the ceiling while a woman in black, a black vinyl course is like dominating him and doing all this stuff. And she, as this goes on, she strips down naked. Uh, it turns out fun fact. The guy in this scene is actually the director who had to stand in for, yeah. the, for who, he had to stand in for the guy who was supposed to do the scene, but never showed up. So once the credits are over, we hear this feral roaring. The movie goes back to color at this point as the dude 
starts getting like, cut and sliced up by this in, by these invisible creatures. Some kind of invisible yeah. force. He's just it, like, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of like shitty predator camouflage. You know, it's it's not quite predator. It's a little kind of it's more white hue to it. Yes. But um, on on the to be perfectly honest, for an indie small time budget movie, it's not that bad. No, it's not. Uh, the cuts look really good for you know because you know they're invisible. You can't see what's coming, but he's just getting like these almost like stigmata esque slashes. It's like just ripping, you know. Yeah, just his- you know, all of a sudden the skin's ripping open and the chick's freaking out and yeah. she's screaming. He runs over. She actually is trying to help him out, trying yes. to get him off. Which good on her. Good on her. Don't let a client down. But uh, she also gets slashed up and slashed to pieces, and yeah. they end by killing the guy, cutting his arms off. His arms still dangling. Yes. From the. Yeah, the I kind of love it, man. And they both fall to the floor dead. And like you said, I have to. I yeah. echo your your sentiment. Like for a micro budget film, it really doesn't look that bad. I'm surprisingly impressed so far. I'm like, oh. All right, this we've seen a whole hell of a lot worse. This isn't too bad. So yeah, far. And, and just kind of like a quick, and we should probably talk about this now because this movie is lousy with sexual teasing, be you know S and M kind of activity, lots of uh, you know rope play, and it's that's your thing, man. You're in for a treat. Yeah, it, it's total. It's a BDSM community fetish film horror movie. It, it's filled with that stuff. Um, lots and lots of that. Uh, we cut to our main character, Daniel, now, uh, who is a crime scene photographer, uh, taking pictures of the murder scene that we just saw. And he notices this tiny handprint on the floor. He takes a picture of it before it gets all smeared by some CSI guys moving the body. Um, up comes his CSI lady boss asking him how he's doing and how, how he's holding up. And we learned that Daniel had just come back to work after taking a leave of absence for a bit. And, but then she just gives him the business for being late. So her, her like, Hey, how you doing? is very short lived. And she just starts reaming him for being late. Um, yeah, this, this, this chick just reminds me of like the classic angry police, like police camps, like, Come on! Are you just, you think you're around this town? You're just gonna get in trouble now! I'll call you guys! You know, just, just yelling and screaming. It's like smoke should be shooting out of her ears. Yeah. You know, she just like has two emotions. It's either quiet or angry and yelling. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it doesn't make sense that like she's yelling for being late because he was asleep in bed. Like he's on call. Like he, she called him. He answers the phone. He's like, okay, I'll be right there. And he goes straight there. And she yells at for being like it doesn't make any sense for him to be yells at for being late when he's not like yeah, scheduled she, to be there. She she's she's such a shit character. She is. She is. Um, so now we meet Ted, who I think is like Daniel's assistant or his underling or, or like something. You know, I don't know who's taking video of the scene while Daniel shoots photography. Um, and Ted and the CSI lay boss. Or, and the lead detective are talking, saying around talking, and we see like the severed arm is still hanging from the ceiling behind him. Um, and again, <laughs> I I'm, did imp- like that. I'm impressed by how good the severed arm looks because we've seen some really terrible looking fake body parts in a lot of these movies. Uh, and I was like, that's, I was totally expecting to see the same thing in this one, but this one looks pretty good and pretty realistic for a severed arm hanging from the ceiling. Uh, so Not that bad. Next we see, one of the bodies being removed from the house as a local TV reporter is filming a, like an on-the-spot news report as a handful of bystanders such onlookers gather around the crime scene. Um, two of those onlookers turn out to be Alondra, who we saw, right? She's there, and our other main character, who we're about to get introduced to. 
So Alondra and our new girl are eavesdropping on Daniel and Ted as they talk off to the side. Ted tells Dan that he that he was having some issues with some of the camcorder video modes. And Daniel tells Ted that he had it on night shot IR mode, to which Ted says, what's that? And I'm like, really? How does a guy get hired as a photographer not knowing what a fucking night vision mode is on a camera? Like, that just blew my mind that he would even include that. That's just dumb. But Ted leaves, and our new girl flags down Daniel to try to get information out of him about the murders because the victims turn out to be friends of hers. So he tells her it looks like someone tied them up and tortured them to death. And she tells him, no, no, that's not right. They were just into BDSM, and they were just playing. Uh, she gives him his business card and asks him to call her with any information. And on the card, we see that her name is Divinity and that she works in the BDSM world as a dom or a sub. That's a dominant or a submissive for those of you who have not in the know. Um, she also tells Dan to call her if he needs any help with the BDMS, BDSM stuff. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, tell you about it or help you understand it or something like that. So Divinity leaves. Okay, real, real, real quick. I got a question. Yeah, go ahead. All right. S and M, I know it's sadomasochism. Yeah. What's the BD? Uh, I believe it's bondage and dominance. Ah. See these bondage these domination. Uh, and, yeah. I think it's bondage and domination, just, sadomasochism. Just coming up with all kinds of new fun fun things to add to it. You're not happy with sadomasochism. You have to add a little bit more. It's like it's, it's kind of like the ra- just, it's like the rainbow community, man. Like I'm, it's like the I was L- about to say. I was about to say. Remember when it was LGBT? Yeah, it, it was and just, now it's LGBT. Now it's like the entire it's fucking just, alphabet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't keep track of it anymore. I don't. I, I know. <laughs> I can't keep up with sex trends. I can't keep up with you know sexual identification trends. Ah, man, it's a lot to it's a lot to take in. It's it's, it's insane. It, we, I think we need to pull back the range on some of this stuff a little bit. Um. Anyway, uh. So Devine leaves. Ted comes running back to show Dan some video footage he, he just took. Dan watches the footage, which we see on the on the screen. It's just a close-up shot of some girl's tits in a bra. So apparently this camcorder not only has night vision, but it's IR or IR vision, but it has x-ray vision as well. It's seen, through, vision. It's seen through a girl's clothing, which is insanity. Uh while Daniel is watching the footage, a CSI girl whose tits are on the screen comes up behind him, catches him watching the video, calls him a pervert, and punches him and then storms away, causing him to drop the camera, and it breaks a bit. Why uh, isn't she one of these BDSM kind of characters? She's hot. Yeah, she was not bad looking. Um, <laughs> so Daniel bends down to uh, pick up the camera, and he sees on the screen a small demon-looking monster hunched over in the corner, like by the stairs that lead into the house. But when he looks up, he can't see it with his own eyes until he looks back through the camera again and can see it. Uh, but then the creature just seems to leap straight up into the air like fucking Superman and disappears all, uh, out of sight. It's gone. So he got back to Daniel in bed sleeping this time. He's a bit back in bed sleeping and he's dreaming about memories of his ex-wife who is way too hot for him. He really outkicked his coverage on this one. Um, Man, see, I gotta, I gotta say, lucky guy, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> punching above his weight. Um, she tells him how great a photography is, and he should be working for Cosmo or Vogue, and not doing these crime scene bullshit. Uh, he pulls out an envelope with a picture in it that he wants to show her. Um, she opens it up, looks at it, and instantly gets all excited. She rips off the, her top, pounces on him while saying yes. 
So I'm guessing he just gave her like an eight by 10 dick pic. That's my guess. And we crossfade to them sleeping after having sex. Uh, Dan wakes up from a phone ringing again. He gets called to another murder, another crime scene. So while Daniel is filming the crime scene again, he sees these small monster things through his camera on the screen. Uh, this time the monster is like licking up a, the blood coming out of the murdered chick while a CSI tech is just inches away, like doing, I don't know, working on doing yeah. something, but yet he can't hear no the monster. See, yeah. No right. one can see him. No one can hear him. Um, the, these things are completely void of human identification, except for Daniel, who's looking at him through this camera. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not opposed to, the, you know, they can only be seen through like a spectrum or, or some kind of, that's fine. My problem is like, if they're invisible, that doesn't mean they're completely silent. Like they might be mute, you know, let's say they, but someone, if you're going to hear somebody going like just inches away from you, lapping up blood, you know, or you're going to see the blood being moved around by some invisible force. You know, yeah, and, that's, that's the stuff that bothers are, me. Are these, do these, do these invisible critters have mass? You know, because that if, if you're walking around, wouldn't you bench someone? There's tons of people in this room. Yes. Wouldn't someone like bump into one? Yeah. Like accidentally the, kick one? Exactly. That's another thing. Because they, they, they run around everybody. They run. They Sometimes they even run on top of people and people like no one knows their fake noses. So there's some real inconsistencies so, and, and some messed up stuff about the physics yeah, and they're, mass they're, of these things. The, the laws around these critters are pretty loosey-goosey. Very loosey-goosey. Um, so... Uh, the monster looks up and kind of senses that Daniel can see him and it, it scurries off. Uh, Daniel starts moving the camera all around and starts seeing more and more of these tiny monsters who all dash off and hide. So there's more than one. There's several of them there. He gets startled by a CSI boss lady who asks him if he's all right. But again, just gives him the business for acting odd and, and asking dumb questions. Like, you know, he's just asking questions like, did you see this? Why are you asking dumb questions? Pretty much. I respect much. you coming back as soon as you did. I'm really happy you're here. <laughs> like, that's, that's exactly what she does. That is exactly what she does. It's, 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 it's makes zero sense. It's, 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 it's bonkers, man. She goes, she flips that switch so fast. Um, so what do you what do you call what do you call a group of uh, blood gnomes a, a gaggle a, ga- a, a murder a murder a murder <laughs> a pack uh, a herd a, a, uh, a kraken yeah <laughs> yeah um, so who knows we're gonna have to figure that out I'll, I'll give it some thought all right you, yeah, that's a good idea um, so now we cut back to the drug dealer we saw entering a room that looks like it's someone's crappy storage room with a water heater in it. He sits down in his chair, closes his eyes, and I guess passes out instantly. And almost instantly then, as soon as he closes his eyes, Alondra pops up in front of him, gets right up in his face, wakes him up. She pushes, she, she pulls him up out of his chair, saying that um, he doesn't look like or dress like a typical drug dealer. And to that I say she is wrong, because he totally looks like a drug dealer from the late 90s. Like, he, right right he, out of typecasting. Like, right you can't out of get type more typecasting. <laughs> He screams, drug dealer. Um, she goes on to say, maybe that's because you're not um, a typical, you're not on typical junk. She then reaches into his pants and pulls out a handful of tiny broken plastic capsules to which she says, a lot of X times 10 empties here and calls him his own best customer. So the made up drug in this movie is, some, is called X times 10, 
So I'm guessing it's supposed to be something so strong. It's like ecstasy times 10. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what you're going to say. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I got, I think I'm onto something here. X times 10. X, the number, the, the letter X, uh-huh. times, which is an X symbol, and the letter 10 in Roman numerals is an X. So oh my God, triple X. X. <laughs> I, just, I wish I had picked on that. Triple X for a, basically a fetish porn movie too. Uh, that maybe sleepy, but I'm not slow. <laughs> that's perfect. I wish I would have come up with that. That's that's amazing. Uh, you're totally okay. So triple okay, X. I, triple X, yeah. And it's it's I, I think a, a, a bushel. I think it's a good sum for blood gnomes. A bushel, a bushel of blood, blood gnomes. Why uh, not? So Alondra says, goes on saying that you don't have my drugs. You don't have my money. What do you have? At this point, she decides the best way to punish him is to sex him up. She starts rubbing her hands up and down his chest, rips his shirt open, forces him back down into the chair. Alondra strips out of her power suit blazer, but then she just Why can't I have a boss like that? Yeah, exactly. But he might not want her after this because she pulls out a knife and after teasing him with it, just slits his throat. Um, Which, again, isn't the worst throat slice we've seen. It's not the greatest, but... It's pretty simple, but it's certainly not the yeah, worst we've it, seen. It's solid. It's good fundamentals. Right. And they did it so it's fair by not doing a close-up of it. You just, you, like, like, some people they do a close-up of it, and you see all the uh, prosthetics Air. and all the makeup and everything attached to it. But they don't do that, so it, look, it looks fine. Uh, she stands up and says, he's all yours. Take him back to mother. And then we see some more of those blurry white ghostly images scurrying around the screen. Coming by like a, little, a bushel of blood gnomes. Yeah, a bushel of blood gnomes. Uh, we cut back to Daniel on the old Google machine looking up BDSM. He enters a BDSM chat room called Whips and Chains and starts asking questions, which he just gets laughed and ridiculed at for, you know, being an idiot about it. Like, what are you doing in here? Get the fuck out of here. nerd. You don't belong here. Um... So he gets off and he calls Divinity and sets up a date with her, a date to meet up with her. You jump back to Alondra in her drug warehouse where she's standing over the crate with her hands inside of it. And we see inside is a giant fanged lined Sarlacc pit looking monster pussy that is giving birth to a new baby, quote unquote, (laughs) blood gnome. It's insanity. It's ridiculous. It's but it's fucking awesome at the same time. I'm like, holy shit, this is what's happening. Uh, I'm so glad you said that sentence. That brought such a smile to my face. <laughs> a starlight, like a wonderful, Mwah. chef's kiss. Come on. Um, so she then takes a syringe and extracts some goo from the monster vag, then mixes the goo with flour, I think. And makes her X times 10, her triple yeah, X drug. You got to thicken it up. You got to thicken that sauce up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You throw a little flour. You make a tasty roux. You want to make sure it rises nicely in the oven or something. Uh, we go back to Daniel, who's getting ready for his day of divinity. She shows up at his house. He lets her in. Uh, they talk a little bit about the murder case. And she mentions that she read an article about him that said he was admitted to a mental hospital a few months ago. During this, he goes... Uh, into the kitchen, heats up some old, old coffee in a microwave. Uh, and then when he re-enters the room, you can see, if you look really carefully, it's real brief, but if, when he re-enters the room, you can see some random dude just sitting in a chair in the background. 
And like, what the who's that guy? Why is he there? But there's just some I random miss, dude I, sitting there. Um, I miss that. Yeah, I mean, you blink, you'll miss it. But like, apparently, like, what happened? I guess it was like a, a, a one of the producers was on set that day, and he just sitting there and they didn't realize he was in the shot when they were filming and they had to they just left it in so he said this random dude just Whoop. sitting in the background um so they end up talking about all these photos on the wall um also i want to mention i think i have you know what fuck it i, I think i have something about it. i'll come back to it oh uh, they talk about all these photos he has on the wall and this is where shit gets real fucking creepy uh, because all the pictures on his wall are of murder victims from crime scenes and that's not even the really dark and fucked up or creepiest thing. Oh no, that comes when he shows Divinity one very special picture. That being of a pretty blonde woman who was killed by a bullet through her eye. And turns out that that pretty blonde woman was his fucking wife. <laughs> that's right. This fucker keeps a picture of his murdered wife on the wall. Which sure, some people have pictures of deceased loved ones on the walls. But not pictures of them. Getting from the murder scene, now them fucking half their face blown off. But he keeps that shit on the wall. That shit should be like, setting I know, up. I'm sorry, but it should I, be setting up the, giant red flags. The BDS community is into some weird stuff and some weird people. They're very accepting, but that should be fucking red flags. He's yes. crashing. This guy is crazy. The alarm should be going off in her fucking ass. Get the hell out of this guy's house, especially since she just said. Oh, by the way, you just got out of a mental hospital for God knows what. And now you have pictures of your dead, <laughs> murdered wife on your wall? Are you fucking kidding me? He tells her a story that his wife is like his, his wife and her new boyfriend were both killed in a murder-suicide. That he killed her and then killed himself. And I'm like, bullshit. This fucker's like Dexter. And those photos are his blood slides. That's, that's what this yes. shit is. Uh, but Divinity, yes, very good. But Divinity just lets that shit wash off her like water on a duck's back. She doesn't care. I'm like, are you? I am blown away at this point. I'm like, are you? I'm like, get out! Get out of the house! <laughs> the phone, <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. Just get out. Uh, but uh, on a side note, when I talk about he goes into the kitchen, he heats up those those uh, uh, his used old coffee. He has two microwaves sitting on top of each other, stacked up. Which is another just really weird thing. Like, who does that? Who has two microwaves stacked on top of each other? Just another really odd thing. Dude, you want to make a hot pocket? You want to make a hot pocket and you want to warm up some coffee? I mean, you got to do one at the same time? What You're going to do one and the other? <laughs> you have two of them. Uh, so, anyway, Daniel and Divinity work out a deal where she will teach him about BDSM and he will keep her informed of, of, of new information on, on her friend's murder case. Um... She then invites him to come over for one of her BDSM sessions that she actually has set up for later tonight. Um, but I will say at this point, I do want to say I was very pleasantly surprised by the quality of Divinity's acting, though. Uh, again, I thought the acting was going to be complete dog shit. And for the most part, it's not great. It's pretty poor all around. But Divinity didn't bother me. I thought she was okay. Um, she had some real nice moments. Uh, I felt, you know... Uh, I don't want to say a chemistry or like, you know, connected to her, but she seemed real and like genuine. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess, but she didn't like knock it out of the park. No, I'm not it saying was, it was okay. like, it's Emmy worthy, but I'm just saying it was better than I was expecting for this movie. She was, she was probably the best in this movie. Um, Fair enough. So we cut to Daniel arriving at the BDSM session. Divinity lets him in and in introduces her to her mistress, which turns out to be Alondra. So we have a BDSM drug lord who has killer monster pets. 
is basically our villain in this movie. That's a crazy combination. He reminds right there. me so much. Dude, I looked her up. I couldn't find any other like work that this actress has done, but she looks so much like the assistant scientist's wife from the original Killer Eye movie, who does a lot of like a lot of tentacle. Her titties are all out. She's the one I said had cankles. Oh, uh, not not Halloween haunt, but no, the Killer no, Eye, the, the, the first original, one. Yeah. I'm not, I don't remember that, but the girl who played Alondra is Ree Walton, uh, I think is yeah. the last name. Um, she really doesn't do. She's just like a really only acting job. She was actually she did more. She was more of a stunt woman, a lot of stunt work, especially like in oh. Japan and stuff, which explains why she's like fucking jacked. Like she's pretty fucking muscular compared to everybody else in this movie. Um, she's in good shape. Yeah, but honestly, I, I really thought I really thought that was her, but it's not. Um, I was excited for a second. I was like, ooh, back-to-back. Back. Or back, not back-to-back, back, but a reappearance, ah. I should say. Yeah, I don't think it's her. But no, alas, it's not. Uh, so Daniel starts filming as Divinity and Ilandra begin their session. And Divinity gets stripped down to her underwear, tied up. Daniel scans the room with his camera looking for blood gnomes. Um, Ilandra beckons Daniel to come over and has him sit in a chair uh, that's fa- like, kind of in front of Divinity. She bends Divinity over him, like facing him with her hands on his shoulders and basically has Divinity brace herself on Daniel while she gets whipped um, or uh, across the back with Alondra's cat of nine tails. So there's that happening. Um, so now we go to the CSI lab where CSI boss lady talks to lead detective about some saliva that was found at the crime scene, but the saliva is not from a human uh, and they go on to talk about some more oddities that are all involved in this case. Uh, I'm skipping ahead to when Daniel enters to talk to him about the picture of the tiny handprint. But all he does is get yelled at when they find out that the picture got ruined somehow and he didn't put a ruler in the picture. And, and But the, the funny thing is, like, they say the picture's ruined, but then they she hands him the picture, which is clearly not ruined. Like, what? How can you say, like, don't, what? Don't say it's ruined and then give him the picture. It, it's perfectly fine. Um, the scene not, drags on some more. Uh, and the funny thing, you can't see the reflection of the boom mic in the glass door behind Daniel. If you're looking, so you can see, you see the, the video. You can see that in I'm there. glad you're picking these things up because I didn't notice this stuff. Uh, well, I watched this movie three fucking times. So I, you started. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, so you start seeing stuff after, you know, after a while. Um. You start seeing a lot of things, huh? Yeah, we cut to Divinity in her garage doing some carpentry because, you know, she's a woman of many talents, apparently. Uh, In comes Daniel, (laughs) and she tells him that on the side, she makes BDSM furniture and shows him this chair that she's working on that has this, like, cross back piece, and uh, that's the backrest is, like, just a cross, like, one beam, and uh, it's meant for, you know, you tie someone's arms up to the cross beam of it, but at the same time, it's made to break away if you're in trouble. So it had the arms, the crossbeam arms, will break off if if you do you know do it right uh, for safety. I like that she has like she classifies it as BDSM furniture. Like you know, there's IKEA style furniture, Amish style furniture, and right down the road, quaint little spot, the BDSM furniture store. Yes, hundred percent. Uh, so, uh, Divinity mentions that she's making a chair for her mistress who's organizing a big play party. Uh, 
Daniel wants Esther about wants to know about blood sports because he wants to sign up for the secret secretive Kumite so he can avenge his Sadoshi's murder. Uh, so she tells him she has to travel to Hong Kong to find the underground fine arena, but first has to break the bottom brick of a stack of bricks using the do mock technique. Uh, so that's happening. No, I'm sorry. I, I just Jackson. <laughs> Jackson, brick not hit back. Uh, but seriously, she tells him that blood sports are a, a very rare thing and only a small percentage of the BDSM people or community partake in it. Uh, she then tells him that he needs another session to understand it all. It's like, you're just too dumb. I need to whip you some more. Then you'll understand. I'll, let me beat the knowledge into you or something. I, I don't know. I guess that's what's going on. Um, Man, that'd be, a, that'd be a weird turn for the movie Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme if they're all wearing like leather bondage gears <laughs> and have like rubber balls in their mouth. And, yeah, a whole different know, type of Bloodsport. Just... <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme and Bolo Yang are, are <laughs> whipping each other with mouth gags and cutting each other instead of fighting. Yeah. The <laughs> first person to say the safe word loses. <laughs> Uh, that's not powder he throws in Van Damme's eyes. That's X10, or uh, that's Triple X he's throwing in the eyes of Van Damme. <laughs> X10. X10. <laughs> so, uh, we, basically, she tells him that this time it will just be the two of them and come to her house later tonight. So we're skipping ahead to later that night. Divinity um, binds Daniel's hands together and then pulls out a knife and cuts off his shirt, which I'm like, I'd be kind of pissed at that. Like, come on. You just... Let me take my shirt off. Don't rip it. Now it's ruined. You just ruined my shirt. Um, so she You're just not in the moment, Marshall. I <laughs> guess not. I was like, come on. So my she, shirt costs $30. Yeah. Uh, she blindfolds him <laughs> and and then starts like gently flogging him. And then she uses like ice cubes to tease his nips and all this stuff. Uh, she too ends up naked during this montage. And then they end up making out. And I just fast forwarded through this part. Yeah, and they and they. I'm assuming they end up fucking it, but you don't see it. It goes on for it goes on for a hot minute, and I was just like, okay. And then I thought to myself, am I, am I just not into sex? And it's not that I'm just not into sex. I'm just not into sex, I guess, as much as I am other things like time. Like I have <laughs> time. time. I need some, <laughs> I need some time back in my life. That's as interesting to me as sex. So right now, time's winning. Fast forward. It kind of happens when you have a newborn baby at home, and all you, all you want is time because that you don't have it yeah. anymore. <laughs> she was she was napping at this moment, so I'm just like, okay, I gotta fast forward. To this shit. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I thought some of was get kind of hot in this movie, man. Like, oh, all right, all right, let's go. Um, but I, anyway. I, I hear you, I hear you, and uh, I I can understand that. But <laughs> the thing that was sexy to me was getting to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it cuts away to another really, really fucking weird B- BDSM session. This one is a little too weird for me. Uh, between some people we haven't seen yet, uh, we see like this large object on like a butcher's table, like a big table, covered in brown paper, like you would wrap up meat in. And a woman wearing only a red apron and yellow dishwashing gloves enters. Um, this is all happening while Divinity explains more about blood sports to Daniel and voiceover. The woman peels back the brown paper to reveal a man with spiked hair wearing a pig nose and holding an apple in his mouth like a ball gag with his hands bound behind his back. She starts gently tenderizing his back with a meat tenderizing mallet. Uh, Then eventually she cuts his hands free. She takes, he takes off her apron. They end up making out on the butcher's table. 
But before they go, before they bang each other, they use like a black sharpie and start outlining sections of their body, like you do on like a, like a on like a on like a cow, like the different cuts of meat yeah, kind this, of thing. This is the strip steak. This is the rump roast. This yeah. is the, the the hock. Yeah. And that's what they're doing that in a sharpie on each other, and they're basically guide using this as a guideline for where they're gonna cut each other with like these scalpels and stuff. Um, sadly, we never actually get to see them fuck because. Several of the blood gnomes show up and just start slicing them open and cutting them open all again. Just, again, invisible slices and cuts appearing on them. They're screaming. Blood's going everywhere. Again, it looks fine. Is that a bushel of blood gnomes? A bushel of blood gnomes? Uh, sure. Um, and, and they die. So they're dead now. Well, that, that term is not sticking, is it? That bushel of blood gnomes term is just not sticking <laughs> with you. I guess it's not. I I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not big on the bushel. Uh I keep I keep like trying to make it work and it's not. Yeah, I, to me I think bushel. I'm thinking like vegetables or fruit or something like a bushel of grapes or something. Not not bloodthirsty, weird, invisible monsters. Well, it's a bunch of grapes. Yeah, but a, a it's a bushel of apples. Okay, fine, a bushel of apples. <laughs> Still on that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, now we jump back to Daniel who has loaded his camera with special IR film. Uh, talking to himself about how he's going to get those little bastards. His phone rings. He gets called to another crime scene, which I'm guessing is the one we just saw, the, the, the pig thing. And on the drive there, he's still talking to himself about the monsters. Uh, in the back seat, now we see one of the invisible monsters pop open the film hatch on the back of Dan- Daniel's camera, exposing the film and ruining it. He arrives at the crime scene. He gives his camera to Ted and tell, so he can focus on shooting video while trying to capture images of the blow gnomes, which, uh, by the way, one, um, at this point in this movie, we are calling them blood gnomes, but up until now, they've never been called blood gnomes. And at this point, I'm like, why the fuck are they called blood gnomes? They're, they don't look like gnomes. They're never going to be referred to as blood gnomes. They're not called gnomes. Like, it's just a weird thing. Like, I don't know why they use blood gnome because they don't look like gnomes at all. Um, they're way more like ghoulies. They do look more like ghoulies. Like, they look like tiny, weird yeah. ghoulies. Uh, yeah, definitely more ghoul than and demon than gnome. Uh, Daniel goes into this odd picture-taking frenzy. Well, everyone else in the room just kind of stands or looking at him like he's like just like he's just lost his mind. He's like, "Ha! I got you! I got you now!" He's taking all these weird pictures and videos. He's just going nuts in the middle of this crime scene. Um, and now we cut to lead detective staking out some building, and he decides to head inside. Now, this is weird because when. We see the building. It's like this big commercial office building. And then we see the lead detective staking out his car. He gets out of his car, goes up to the building. And in that millisecond shot change, it goes from the like a five-story commercial building to a small one-story residential home. So I was like, really? You can't get your building straight in this either? Like, that's fucking bad. Yeah, it's... It's pretty bad because even when he goes in to talk to uh, the person living there, it's even smaller. It's this tiny room. Yeah. Like with, with a hot water heater in the background. It's like a utility room. Yeah. Um, he knocks on the door and we see a lot. He, he goes into the garage basically. And we, and we see Alondra in the garage by the crate that is covered in like offered drug shit or something like that. Um, the detective asks if she's divinity. Alondra says, no, divinity is not here. Uh, they talk about the murder cases a bit. Elandra uh, packs up her stuff, goes to leave. Uh, the detective offers to help her move her crate, 
And when he tries to move it, it uh, a triple X capsule falls off and breaks on the ground, spilling out its baking soda or flour looking drugs onto his shoe. Uh, and that's when Alondra attacks the detective. She grabs him by the neck with one hand and summons the strings of Thor somehow and pins him up against the wall one-handed. Uh, she tries to, he tries to break free, but can't. So he goes for his gun, but she grabs his wrist with her other hand and forces him to put the gun like up to his face. And he's, you know, trying to like squeeze the trigger, but, he, uh, then she just tosses the gun aside. Like she could have killed him right there. She's like, no, nope, I'm just going to take this gun and throw it to the side. And then punches him in the face. She licks the blood off her fingers, says to him, it's obvious I didn't need to help with the box. You like dummy. Um, and now they go into like the short fight scene that ends up with Alondra pin, pinning the detective's head on the lid to the crate as the monster inside starts to roar and is like banging against the other side of the, the lid from underneath. Uh, one of the tentacles slitters out and tries to wrap around the, the detective, but Alondra Ilan- slaps it away, telling not yet, saying not yet to it. She then lifts the detective's head up and gives him a back elbow right into the face, knocking him to the floor. She pulls out some rope while saying, you want to know more about what we do? Let me show you. Uh, and then we just cut back to the CSI lab where Ted and CSI. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. That whole scene. That whole scene, man. Like, you get the impression she's got superhuman strength. She's got, she's, she's somehow enhanced. Uh, because this guy's a pretty big guy. You know, he's a good, he's a good sized dude. He's a police officer. That would give you the impression that he knows how to handle himself. Especially against a lady. But this lady's lifting him up with one hand and just beating and beating him up the head and shoulders all day long. Right. So that's the impression you get. I get, and I mean, I'm not going to, she didn't like lift him off the ground, I don't think one-handed, but still the fact that she pins, one-handed and pins him against the wall with one hand is a little unbelievable, but. One-handed takes his gun out of his hand and he holds it to his head and then just throws it away. Like, yeah. I mean, you get this, you get this impression that she's a, a, a real bad, like she's a little bit more than human. Yeah. Maybe it, it, I guess it's not too bad. Cause she is muscular. She is a larger girl. I mean, she's got broad shoulders and muscular arms and a muscular back and all that. So, but still it, it's a little far fetched, but it's, it's could have been a lot worse. I will say that at least I was glad she didn't lift him up off the ground. One handed. I, I saw him go for the neck. Like, Oh God, don't no, No, I, I just don't. I, it, it didn't happen. So I'm glad about that. I, I'm glad. Um, so anyway, uh, we go back to the CSI lab where Ted and CSI boss lady sit at the table looking at pictures. In comes Daniel again, who gets reamed again for all of his photos getting ruined. And it's more of the same scene. So I'm skipping over. Daniel just storms out blaming the gnomes that they've messed up his film. They messed up his camera, but it just, it's just more of the CSA boss lady yelling at him, which gets old real quick. Um, we jump right back to Alondra, who now has a detective stripped down to his skivvies, tied up in a chair with a ball gag in his mouth. <laughs> um, like with ropes around his nips and yeah. like, uh, like squeezing his body. Like he's, he's tied up in a very, very sexual way. Oh, yes. Um, in walks the, and you know what? I, that makes me wonder, like, what did she do to get him like that? Because it's not like she just picks him up, put him in his chair and ties his arms to the chair. Like that rope work would take some serious time to do that. Like there's like designs in it. It's like like hexagonal stuff. And like it, that's elaborate rope work for BDSM yeah. bondage stuff. That would take, I think, and you're telling me that, that the detective just sat there patiently while she did this to him. Like that's insanity. <laughs> like what? So anyway, 
Um, in in walks Divinity, not realizing that Alon is thinking, oh, she's like, oh, I didn't realize you had a client in your plane. I'm sorry. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt. And she leaves. So she just turns around and walks out thinking that this is just Elandra doing, you know, doing her thing with some other guy. Um, time passes and we go back to Daniel in his house. He's kind of going crazy, pulling a whole like Nightmare in Elm Street like uh, thing. I mean, like he's loading up on caffeine, trying to stay awake because I guess these monsters are yeah. also you know, like Freddy Krueger or something, which I don't understand why he's doing this or why he can't just go to sleep at night because like that's never been explained. So he why is he... They didn't explain it why he's why he's doing this. Yeah, he's he's forcing himself to stay awake to catch the blood gnomes. But they they killed they the only time they seem to be killing is at BDSM events. You yeah, know, when exactly. there is a BDSM. Yeah, and only if so why blood is he sports. forcing himself to stay awake and look for these little blood gnomes creeping around? There's no explanation. It yeah, didn't make any sense. It's I thought no sense. I thought I missed something. No, I did too at first, but like, nope, nope. And there's no explanation of this whatsoever. And it's a great point because the only time they do we see them kill anybody is during a BDSM stuff, which when they're involving blood sports. Other than that, if there's not blood sports, if they're not cutting each other, then there, there's no there's no threat. They don't they don't get involved. So it's like he has no reason to be staying up all night and drive you know doing this. Um, during this scene, we see a few of the creatures running around in their invisible form throughout his house in the background. Uh, he, Daniel also has more flashbacks of his wife. Uh, we do find out that one of Daniel's the scene, se- the scene goes on for a while. It, it's probably one of the longest scenes probably in the movie. Uh, one of his secrets to staying awake is by shocking himself with a fucking taser. So he has a taser. Now he's shocking himself with, uh, at one point he throws a coffee mug at an invisible gnome, which ends up smashing his TV screen. So he takes down the broken TV and instantly replaces it with a new one. I'm like, what? Hold on a second. You're telling me he, this guy breaks so many TVs that he just keeps spare ones lying around? Or does he buy his TVs and, and, and appliances and six-packs or bulk? Like, we see him have two microwaves, yeah. and now he's got... Uh, oh, I broke that TV. Well, let me just put a new one right there up. And, like, instantaneously, a new TV in its place. <laughs> At least it's consistent with his character. At least he I has, guess. you know... <laughs> I guess they showed they had two microwaves earlier. So now they has two TVs. It's not that far fetched. It's so weird though. Like I've never seen that before. <laughs> like at this point, like are they? Is this like a gag I'm missing? Is this like a comical joke that I'm we're not getting or something? Like I don't get it. But it's so weird. He just as soon as he breaks it, he just whips. I mean, you're right. Just like almost immediately, he just has a new one setting up. <laughs> so. Uh, eventually Divinity shows up at his place all worried about him. He tries to explain to her about the creatures, but she doesn't believe him and tells him that he's just, that he's scaring her and he ne- just needs, he needs help and he needs to go to sleep. Uh, she also tells him though that Elandra's massive BDSM play party and that he, you know, like, but Hey, you know what? Don't worry about that. You need to get some sleep. It's like, why even tell him about that in the first place? Um, she gives him a kiss and a hug and then she leaves. We, we cut back to Elandra and the detective and she starts cutting on the det- on the detective, like slicing them up a bit. And all the gnomes come out and start just scurrying around in the darkness. They all start getting horny. Yeah, she waves them over. And one by one, they all start slicing up and biting into the detective. Uh, Elandra says to him, now that you've inter- I've introduced you to my children, now let me introduce you to their mother, which is weird because if they're your children, how can they be? Whatever. Um on that cue, the crate lights up from within and starts to rumble and shake while smoke rises up from out of it. Uh, so I guess the monster inside is, is, loves the vape or something because I don't know why there's smoke coming out of this thing all the time. 
the, <laughs> the lid begins to bounce, uh, bounce open and close on, on, on the crate. And the camera pans down and fades to black as we hear this loud roaring out, roaring sound. So again, we still don't get to see what is in the crate fully. So I will say they're doing a good job of keep, maintaining that suspense a bit, uh, of keeping that a bit secret and building that up. We go right back to Daniel, uh, who still has a few creatures running around his living room that he keeps throwing coffee mugs at and missing. Uh, his computer. The, be- the best thing is when he's when he's trying to stay awake, he's got like he's at, he's sitting in the middle of his living room with a small table next to him, and it's got like six or seven coffee mugs on it, and he just keeps chucking these coffee mugs yeah. all around the house. <laughs> Uh, it's so dumb. <laughs> um, his computer beeps, and he starts getting IMs or instant messages from the Blood Gnomes, uh, who, and we know this because <laughs> we know this because their screen name is Blood Gnome. <laughs> so Ugh. the gnomes now start taunting and cyberbullying Daniel <laughs> through instant messages <laughs> on the computer. <laughs> Daniel turns on his camcorder and starts capturing the blood gnomes on tape. Uh, and they don't take too kind of this. And they start attacking Daniel while at the same time using magical force powers to erase, to erase the tape on the VHS on the VCR. I mean, uh, one of them stabs Daniel in the back of his leg with a small kitchen knife. Then while a second one uses the taser and tases Daniel, like right in the face, like right in the mouth, right in the kisser with a taser. Right in the mouth. Like, like right in the, Heat, yeah, you know? like I want to see his feelings explode. Exactly. Uh, Daniel falls on the floor from this. The creature lo- leaps on Daniel's back and tries to like reach around and slit his throat um, and tries to stab him or something. But Daniel like grabs the creature's arm and like bites into the creature's hand, causing it to drop the knife, and also causes the gnome to lose its invisibility powers. Now, seeing it fully and clearly, Daniel grabs a knife, stabs the gnome right in the center of its chest, killing it. The gnome kind of kind of withers in, into like this dried up husk. At this point, uh, then Daniel starts looking around and realizes that, he, realizes that he can now see all the blood gnomes. So he grabs a baseball bat and starts cleaning house. Like, he's beating all the starts gnomes. fucking and, Mark McGuire and everybody, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he, uh, he's beating them with uh, baseball bats. He kicks one of them in the nuts, which they don't have, but he kicks them in the nuts anyway. Uh, I loved it. I loved it, it. But it works nonetheless. And then he like, stomps, like, you know, just completely, like, head, like curb stomps this one, crushing his head in. Uh, once it's all over, I don't know why he does this because that's insanity, but he, he starts licking the monster blood off of his fingers like it's chocolate fucking syrup. And that's just disgusting. Like, I, I would not we be know licking. those things have got STDs for days. Who knows what those things have? Like, like, it's monster blood and you're licking it off and you're like, that is disgusting. Um, you're going to get monster chlamydia. Yeah, exactly. Uh, time passes. Daniel takes a VHS tape to some guy in a, somewhere and tells him to put it in the vault for safe keeping. Uh, but the guy ends up just putting it on the shelf. Daniel leaves. It's a meaningless scene. Nothing, <laughs> nothing ever happens. It's not like we never see anybody come and get the tape or like somebody like a mantra come in and sneak the tape off the shelf or a get it's completely pointless. Yeah. It doesn't matter whatsoever. So Daniel then shows up at divinity's house to try to tell her that he caught the monsters on tape and tries to stop her from going to the uh, big BDSM play party. She tells him, hey, you know what? Just lie down. You need some sleep. I'll go. I'll call and cancel. I won't go. You just need to lay down and sleep. So Daniel lies down and instantly passes out. Divinity takes off her robe, uh, more titties, 
uh, and tries to start getting dressed for the party, even though she just said, I'm going to call and cancel, but she, apparently she had no intention of doing that. <laughs> but as she reaches out for each, like each article of her BDSM clothing, uh, it, it gets yanked away by an invisible monster. So she's leaving her standing there topless, looking around as several invisible gnomes wander around her bedroom. One even like crawls right on top of Dan, like right over his chest. And Dan's like, whatever. Uh, doesn't, doesn't, yeah. doesn't move. Uh, she starts screaming for Daniel, who's, who doesn't wake up. He's just still sleeping. Uh, but he finally wakes up just in time to see her get grabbed, pulled to the floor, and dragged off into the darkness. Which, again, if you watch this movie enough, if you pay attention in the background, you can see, like, three dudes just pulling her into the dark. <laughs> you can actually see the people pulling her away. Uh, it's not a bad shot, though. No, it's not. Like, it's, it, it, if your TV brightness is as bright as TV, you see, but otherwise you, it's pretty dark, you won't see it. Uh, but it, it looks good. It's a good shot. Um, so he, Daniel, seeing this, he tries to get up to go after, but he gets grabbed by the ankles, which causes him to trip and fall head first into the door, which knocks him out. So it's, it's, it's a little too slapsticky. It's, it's yeah. very home alone. Very. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Very home alone. Uh, when he wakes up, he finds himself holding a small bloody kitchen knife, which he instantly, instantly drops. He looks over to the side and sees a severed head of the lead detective sitting on a chair. <laughs> uh, so I guess now the blood gnomes are trying to frame him for murder. Uh, so they got they, those little bastards. Those bastards, I guess. Yeah. Um, Daniel runs for his car uh, and races back to his house. He grabs his police radio, which... It's just a walkie-talkie. It's not like a police scanner, so I don't know how a walkie he would get this information on a walkie-talkie that far away, but whatever. Uh, and he hears that an APB has been put out for a suspect that was seen with a bloody knife with black hair and glasses, which makes zero fucking sense considering no one was in the fucking house when, with them and the severed head. So there were no witnesses to this. But yet, how do they know the suspect has black hair and glasses and was seen holding the knife, which he dropped before he even left the, the house? It was blood gnomes. The, but still, the yeah, blood gnomes stepped off the cop. I guess, but it makes no. So he gets at this point. He gets more instant messages from the blood gnomes, still taunting him. They tell him that divinity that they have divinity at the party, <laughs> and uh, you know what? What you gonna do now, bitch? Like you want her? Well, stand by because we're gonna send you an email with the address on it. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't just type it into the instant message. They come here now. It's like we're gonna send you an email <laughs> with the address. So what's that email address? Is that, uh, is that at Yahoo? No, no. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Hotmail. Gotcha. It's uh, AOL. Okay. 2004. So probably AOL. Yeah. <laughs> so is that Daniel Smith uh, one word or underscore? <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. So dumb. Uh, Daniel checks his radio again and hears the dispatcher mention the suspect's white SUV and, and his license plate. So again, I'm like, if the cops have this information, white guy... Black hair, glasses, white SUV, and the license plate number. How do they not know it's Daniel at this point? Why don't you just say, okay, the suspect's Daniel. What's his name? Uh, he works here. Right. Like, but they still don't. They're like, they make zero fucking... These are dumbass cops then. Like, if run the plate. It'll tell you who he is right there. But they still don't know it's him officially, which is bullshit. Uh, so he runs out of the house. Up drives Ted. Now, because I, I guess he's trying to... I don't know what the point of this is, but basically uh, Daniel just carjacks Ted like he's playing Grand Theft Auto and then races off to the BDSM party. Um, so we cut to the party. 
where we see several party guests arrive. One of them is cop number one, who we see he's always in the background of all the mercy. He's just kind of standing there, keeping civilians at bay. Mr. Outrageous. Mr. Outrageous. Cop number one. He's in the so he shows up wearing like leather vests and uh, leather pants and all this. Um, at one point, he also t- he tells Alondra that the cops have been taken care of as far as finding out about they weren't they're not going to interrupt this part. They, I've taken care of that. And then so Alondra's like, "All right, I'm gonna go take care of the cop then." And we cut to him, like sitting backwards on a chair, getting getting flogged. Um, get, 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 uh, that, that, that I can't even think. Getting flogged by uh, Ilandra. The cat of nine tails. So um, next they arrive. Uh, next arrive at the party is the, the one and only Miss Julie Strain, who's accompanied by identical twin blonde sisters, blonde girls. Um, now keep in mind, everyone at this party is dressed in like black leather, black vinyl. You know, you're very stereotypical, very BDSM fetish right. stuff. Except for Julie Strain, who shows up dressed like a fucking mermaid for some reason. It looks so <laughs> out of place. I blow my mind like, what? Okay, that's weird, but she's she just like, got done from like the Splash cosplay party. I yeah, pretty much. Um so next comes a BDSM lover's dream montage filled with all sorts of whipping, bondage, and titties everywhere. Uh, Julie Strain, the two blonde chicks, they're like completely naked in this. Um, there's one shot of a guy sticking a giant long metal needle through one of the twin girls' necks, which is really disturbing. That's like, yeah. oh, that's, that's bad. But it turns out that that guy, his name's Ron Fitzgerald, I believe, and he is a goth magician based somewhere in the Midwest at the time. And that's one of his <laughs> magic tricks is that is the needle through the neck. Um, but this montage just keeps going and going. We start seeing the blood yeah. sports come into play. Just more titties, more nakedness. It's kind of hot. Some of it. I mean, there's so much nudity. Um, Daniel finally arrives at the party and just bursts in like a madman, yelling at everyone to stop. Just this. freaking out. Just yeah. going nuts. Just like, oh, yeah. what you doing? He's just going to bring the blood dumps. Look at there. Oh God! Ah, he starts like kicking at the air yes. and stomping on the ground, just freaking out that there's blood nose. Everyone's like, "What the fuckity fuck is going on with this guy?" Exactly. Everybody just stands or looking at this guy, just going crazy. Uh, the cop, Mister Outrageous, he comes running out with his gun, like, "What's going on?" But he just stands there, which is fucking weird because he works with this guy. He knows he went, but Dan, what the fuck are you doing, man? You need to calm down or let me, you know, come talk and talk. To no, he just stands there with his gun in hand, doing does nothing about it. Doesn't even acknowledge that he he knows Daniel, um, but finally the party's doorman, like the security guy, the doorman who we've seen, uh, he finally comes up, grabs Daniel underneath his armpits, and just carries him like he would like a like a baby with a poopy diaper at arms. Just oh, I'm just gonna carry you away, <laughs> and just carries Daniel off and puts him in the chair that Divinity made that we saw Divinity making earlier, and ties him up to that uh, with the help of Elandra. And then the doorman just goes around and like, stands by Dan and just puts a chokehold on him and makes him pass out. Chokes him out. Um, Goddamn. Yeah, Elandra tells everyone to go back to their scenes, go back to the party. I'll take care of this. It's all fine. So get ready for more BDSM montages and more titties. Just titties galore. Yep. Whips and change everywhere. Elandra sets her focus on the doorman who she beckons over and she starts feeling him up. And again, another continuity er- thing I picked up that I found was really funny 
and odd is the whole time. Okay, the, when you first see this, the the doorman, he's wearing he's top, he's wearing leather pants uh, and just a leather vest, no shirt, and he's got a very hairy chest. But in this scene, when she beckons him over and starts rubbing her hands up and down his chest, he's shaved. All his chest hair is oh, gone. Right. It's just completely gone. <laughs> so, uh. So she, she's rubbing, she pulls out her fancy knife and, she, and starts like rubbing it up and down doorman's stomach and abs. And then she just slices him across the stomach and it's a deep cut. Like it's like, bleh, it opens up uh, pretty deep and he drops to the floor holding his wound, even though there's, which is the bad thing about this scene is when he drops to the floor, there should be blood pouring out of this guy's wound. There's zero yes, blood yes. at all on this. Like, just come on, throw a blood it, packet on there or something. Has some drugs. It really stuck. It felt like it felt kind of let down, you know, because this this kill is the kind of the catalyst to get the blood party started, you know, which yeah. comes up right after. Exactly. But it, 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 there's no blood. You no know, blood for someone whatsoever. Who's starting starting the blood gnome feast of the blood sport and blood 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 and BDSM and there's nothing. Yeah. Anyway, he dies. Daniel wakes up just in time to see this and says, it was you the whole time. Where's divinity? And Elander just shushes him and tells him to watch as all the monsters start appearing, you know, now and start attacking everyone at the party. This scene is pretty awesome. This climax is pretty awesome. It very much reminds you like, you know, the, the poultry guy scene. Yeah. And it was, it was uh, there's good. another movie we talked about, but I mean, all hell breaks loose. It's, it's just a chaotic mess, and we get bombarded with shot after shot of everyone in this party just getting attacked, cut, sliced open, blood's flying everywhere. And again, I'm saying it's pretty fucking well done. It was, it looked good. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, this is crazy. Yeah, going I'm on. actually pretty impressed. The cop just starts blindly firing his gun at random things. At one point, he shoots and kills the magician dude yeah. <laughs> by accident. <laughs> Uh, Julie Strain and the two blondes, they're getting ravaged by the monsters. Blood's flying everywhere. Bodies are dropping dead. All while Alondra just stands there watching in glee. Once it's all over, we see the monsters eating severed body parts and then feeding other body parts to the mother monster in the crate. Uh, Alondra just rolls a naked divinity up in like a bondage wheelchair or something like that. Uh, who's tied yeah. up and bound to this chair. Uh, out to Daniel and rolls right in front of Daniel. She tells him that she has, that she says in that, uh, so let me get this right. She tells him that he has something that she wants and he has something or that she has something he wants. Basically. Um, Daniel tries to play dumb about this at first, but quickly drops that act when Elandra threatens to start cutting divinity into pieces, starting with her fingers. Uh, and when, when she's talking about you have something I want, she's referring to the videotape that he made with the gnomes on that we, he deposited with that random guy earlier. Um, so, and then Dana realizes, like, Hey, you know, you're not going to let me go. Are you, or let us go. But she's like, you know what? I'm going to let divinity go. But as for you, Daniel, you drank their blood and you can see us now. I can't let you go. You have to die basically. So that's the trick. Like, so basically drinking the monster's blood allows you to see through their invisibility but it's weird that she says us instead of them because Alondra is never visible right. or invisible. She's right. always been visible. She's just a regular human as far as we know. But she says and she's us. a human. Yes. Not a blood gnome. Yeah. And I'm not, I'll give this right now. No, it's not a spoiler, but she never turns into a monster either. It's like, oh, I was a monster the whole time. No, that never happens either. So she's got a normal human 
visible the entire time, but she keeps saying you can see us now, and my, it's weird. Um, anyway, Elandra then uh, straps up Divinity to a pole or something. She pulls her up. like She's got her hands tied to like a chain that thing down from the ceiling. So her hands are above yeah. her head. While saying sorry, like she tells me, I'm sorry, you know, I like you, but my, I had my priorities straight. I got to do this. Um, and it wasn't supposed to happen this way. Elantra then goes over to the crate while monologuing about how human blood allows the monsters to be born into this world. Um, she reaches into the crate, pulls out a newborn monster, cuts the umbilical cord, pulls out a wad of, well, something that might be, I guess, a monster placenta. Sticks a, yeah. sticks a syringe into it, sucks out some thick goo, then shoots the goo into her mouth. It's fucking disgusting. I'll say that much. That's horrendous. So is this blood gnome stem cells that she's harvesting? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm so confused. I guess. Do we ever get an explanation as to why she's cultivating blood gnomes? I guess she just at one point says, this is my reward. I might as well profit from it. So I guess she's using the goo from the monster placenta as the main ingredient in, in her triple X drug or X times 10. That's the only thing I can okay. think of, which I don't get it. I, I don't, it's never really explained fully. Uh, meanwhile, Daniel realizes that he's strapped to the chair that divinity built and uses the trick. She told him about to make the arms break away. So he gets out of it which allows him to free himself from his binds. Elandra grabs a whip now and starts to walk towards Divinity, but gets bashed over the head by Daniel. Uh, Elandra, proper. proper. It looks good. It does look good. However, Elandra gets right back up because I guess she's fueled by the power of monster placenta goo. Um, <laughs> and with a flick of her wrist, she lets out her inner cat woman, says Indiana Jones, and whips her whip at Daniel and manages... <laughs> To whip it right around Daniel's neck. She starts pulling him closer. Daniel guy kicks her in the stomach, causing her to drop the whip. Daniel falls to the floor. Elandra runs up, punts Daniel in the face like she was Randy Orton, and then takes then then knees him twice in the face, grabs him from behind, punches him two more times in the face. This fucking should be a bloody bloody fucking mess. But he's like, fine. And this is I'm like, okay, she's got the superhuman abilities. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Yeah, but I just the point that I got is that he should be a bloody mess. His nose should be broken. There should be blood gushing out of him. Teeth are probably right. should be missing. He's fine. He might have a tiny nosebleed at this point, and that's it. Um, and she then drops him to the floor. Elandra says, now time for your girlfriend. She turns, walks towards Divinity. Daniel reaches over, grabs the whip, and says, wait. And then yanks the whip, which I guess gets wrapped around or caught in Alondra's high heels. It trips her, sending her crashing to the floor. Daniel gets up, mounts Alondra, and starts choking her out with the handle of the whip. And then repeatedly punches her in the face. But for some reason, he just stops in and rolls off of her. And allowing her to yeah. get back up. Like, dude, you have her on the ropes. Finish, like, don't stop. But he just does. He's okay, I'm done. And she gets right back up. Um... <laughs> Divinity calls out to Daniel Warren, like, he, she's behind you, Alondra, she's behind you. So Daniel then turns, charges her, and spear tackles her through a fucking table like he was Edge spearing John Cena in, like, a TLC match or something like that. Like, it's oh, just a straight... I, when I saw that, I'm just like, get the table! <laughs> yes! Dude, 
this this whole fight scene, you can tell she's a stunt woman because yeah. she's doing a pretty good job doing these like kicks and knees and punches. They look pretty good. I even thought to myself, I wonder if she ever did professional wrestling. And now now I hear she's a stunt woman. It makes sense. Yeah. But then when she goes to the table, I'm like, holy shit, we got pure pro wrestling going on here. It is. I mean, I- she should be. She, she probably should have done that on the side. If her acting career didn't take off, she should have gone. She probably could have done a, had a nice career on the indie circuit. I'm sure. Um, she had the, the build for it. For, for, that's for sure. Um, so, but I guess I, I kind of fucking loved it. The whole spear into the table thing. I I loved it. I did. Um, at this point, all the in slow motion. In slow motion too. Uh, at this point, all the creatures start going nuts. Like they start growling. The lid to the crate bursts off. Just like boom, boom. It, it, the lid goes flying and the tentacles just like fly on. They're flopping and thrashing about the room. Everything's like, blah, 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 blah. Daniel rushes over to Divinity and starts trying to undo off her bindings, trying to free her. The blood gnomes at this point, they start leaping onto Daniel's back, attacking him. He grabs Elandra's knife and starts stabbing them. But more just keep leaping on top of him. But he's somehow he's able to fight man- them off. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny because these these are puppets and mannequins that are being tossed onto them off screen. <laughs> he's grabbing them and smashing them against the wall. But I have to say, the way they edited it, the way they cut, the way they moved, the the, the camera work, it made it look more convincing. Yes, I agree with you 100 percent on that. I, I they did do a good job with that. Very because it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. Because the I mean they are puppets and this is a micro budget film, so it could have been horribly bad like just but they they managed to hide a lot of the weaknesses and, and make it look good um so yeah he's able to fight them all off elandra stands back up at this point after going through the table she's back up um but uh and and, and she and he goes to stab her but she grabs the blade with her hand out of midair so she's like gripping the blade in her hand there's blood coming down her arm from her hand and she she starts to overpower him but then Elandra gets attacked by the tentacle. It wraps around her arm. She yells out, no, mother, it's me. But mother don't give a fuck at this point anymore. And so it pull, starts pulling her down towards the open crate. The monster, mother monster bites into Elandra's neck, then pulls her body into the crate fully. And we see Elandra's head get wrapped around and fully emerged in the, all these tentacles. And again, it looks good for, for a low-budget yeah. movie. It looks really good. Then the monster, mother monster lunges out of the crate. And this is the first time we see, fully see the mother monster. And this I was disappointed in though. The monster looks fucking silly in my, the mother monster. The tentacles all look great. It look, the close up on the mouse, look, everything looked great. But when you see like the whole thing come leaping out, it doesn't look that scary. It looks almost cute. No. Like, it, it's I'm like, Oh, that really let me down here. I was really let down. Um, so, um, I don't know, but this, this looks wonky. Um, luckily it's only on screen for a, such a brief moment and then it gets obscured by some more smoke and stuff. So you don't have, you don't see it for too long. Uh, and then large chunks of rock begin exploding out from the crate. Um, and that's like, what the fuck is happening here? Daniel Divinity's. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, what? Why is there rocks exploding out of the crate now? Daniel frees Divinity. They stand there. They hold each other as light in the light, like that's beaming out of this crate begins. Like it's the fucking Ark of the Covenant or something like that. Slowly begins to fade out. They kiss. Then they look down into the crate and see that the mother monster has now burrowed under down and under the cement floor and down into the sewers. I think 
because there's this giant deep hole that's left behind. So I'm guessing it's the Ninja Turtles problem now to deal with this monster. <laughs> uh, the camera goes down the hole. Like we see the camera zoom down the hole. Crossface. It feels like we're getting a colonoscopy done. Yes. Like we crossface like this POV shot going down what looks like a giant fucking sphincter or yeah yeah exactly yes. that's exactly it's, what it looks like. It's a total colonoscopy shot. Yes. And then images of the mother monster and some blood gnomes flash across the screen. Um, blackout. Roll credits. You're going to get blood gnomes up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that that's blood gnomes. See, because they're in the sewer now. They're in the sewer now. They're going to come flying up through the toilet, up your asshole. You need a colonoscopy. Call your doctor now. Maybe, maybe blood gnomes is a prequel to ghoulies. Maybe ghoulies originated as ah. blood gnomes, and they, they, they retreated into the sewers. And that's why they come up through the sewers because they're all blood gnomes, and the the, the they pop up through the toilets. And, and, and I yeah, got, and then they to. but then the mutagen that affected the turtles started mutating the blood gnomes into the ghoulies we know today, because they're all a little different. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I'm yes. on something here. I, I'm digging that theory. You are too. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's, that's blood it. gnome guys. Let's move on to our favorite kill. Don't act like you didn't love it. Favorite kill. All right, what do you got this week, Aaron? Ah, uh, man. I mean, there weren't a ton of kills. A lot of them were just kind of flashy, flashy. But uh, my favorite was actually the opening montage, the opening kill. Uh, it was like you had the BDSM couple. Uh, it was gonna be it was shot in black and white. It was kind of artistic. And then when it kind of re- came back to cut color, you see the slashing going on. The slashes were well done. And the girl tried to save them. So I'm like, okay, great. I was like, I was invested in that moment. And it, show, it, it kind of made me think, this is promising. Uh, so, yeah, that was my favorite kill. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say because so many of the kids, are, a lot of them are all the same. Is, is that, just people getting sliced open. Um, the pig couple, that's a weird one. But, again, it's just kind of the same thing. So I don't know how you differentiate. And then, but the, the ending party scene where it's just that mass murder, like everything's going crazy, is so great. But I kind of think I'm going to agree with you too um, because even though I like the, the, the ending scene better, like it's so chaotic and so so intense, but that first opening yeah. one is what sets the mood. And like it got me hooked. I'm like, oh, this isn't as bad as it might be. I thought it was going to be. So, okay. So I agree with you on that. Um but you know what? No, I'm gonna go at the end, like because I can't lump it. Like that, that ending scene where everybody's getting it is just so intense. It's so fun. There's chaos everywhere. Uh, it's a lot, so much fun. So I'm gonna take that that whole ending scene is because like, you can't pick out one kill. I guess I don't know. Is that fair? Can I do that? I don't know. I feel like that's cheating. Sure, why not, man? It's, right. it's blood gnome. We don't care. All right, so there's my, I'm doing the end scene as mine. All right, so there's our favorite kills. Let's move on to this week's odds and ends. Just when you thought it was over. Here comes the odds and ends. All right, so ratings. We have uh, IMDb gives it a 3.1 out of 10. Um, Ron Tomatoes, there is no official thermometer score, and it has an 18% audience score. With, That's pretty low. Yeah. Amazon, though, 3.2 out of 5. Rocking the threes. <laughs> um, plot keywords, there were 16. Uh, and here's most of them. Bare breast, bare butt, female rear nudity, female nudity, topless female nudity, and BDSM. That's almost all. And pretty much everything else evolves around there. There's a few other things, but it's pretty much all like more more porn based than uh yeah. than horror movie based at this point. 
All right, so trivia. There's a few things I was able to pick up on this. Um, the movie was shot in like 12 days, in only 12 days. Uh, the first murder scene that we saw, the, the opening couple, was actually shot in the, the director's house. <laughs> uh, the scene of the monster giving birth uh, of, with the Sarlacc Vag pussy thing was filmed a month after Principal sh- uh, shooting had wrapped. Uh, <laughs> Ju- Julie Strain was responsible for getting the identical twin sisters uh, to appear in the movie. They, she got them on board. a girl. Um, Nicely done. Uh, the twin sisters, even though for some reason are listed, named as Zen and Zero in the movie, which and go by the porcelain twins, is all made up. The real names are like Heather and Amber or something like that. And they were all penthouse pets at one point or featured in a penthouse years ago. Uh, so was Julie. Man, Strain, go apparently. with that name, Zen and Zero, the Porcelain Twins. I like that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so apparently, you know how I, I made fun. Of? We commented on the uh, nonsense that the camcorder had X-ray vision earlier. Yeah. Well, supposedly, there really was an old Sony camcorder that had such a powerful IR mode that it really could see through very thin cotton clothing when shot at night. Um, and what? Do- and due to that, it had to be recalled. They recalled it. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> supposedly that's that was a thing. But it only worked at night. Um, and the, the VR, yeah. It, so, and the lady who played the angry CSI lady boss only got the role because she was the only one who auditioned for the part that could properly say maniacal. Because apparently oh everybody else is God. Are retards or something. They can't pronounce re- <laughs> maniacal. And so that's how she got the part. <laughs> Um, Good lord! And the guy who played the doorman slash security guard was the 1980 Mister Italy, who has just shrunk down a lot now. He's not—he's he, not as swole as he used to be because he got older and he just stopped lifting. But uh, hey, still, he's, he's still doing well. Oh, he was still—he's still a good. He was still had a lot of muscles and pretty well. But yeah, he was a 1980 Mister Italy, and damn, he looks good for his age then. Because I mean, you got to imagine Mister Italy—he's probably what eight, somewhere between 18 and. Early twenties, twenty four, twenty four, yeah. those things. And that's in nineteen eighty. And this was in two thousand four, so he's in his forties. He's in his mid to late forties. Mid to late forties, yeah. and he looked he looked good for his age then, man. I gotta say that for sure. Um, okay, that's all I got for trivia. Um, that does bring us to this week's budget game. Time for Aaron to blow his wad with the budget game. All right, Aaron. Right, you're saying I'm blow my wad. You better be careful, man. I'm going to come under budget on this one, I think. <laughs> um, Considering they had, you know, people cancel on them. It just seemed like they were filming in the director's homes. Um, straight to video, 2004. Lots of titties, though. Lots of titties. So many titties Lots in this titties. movie. But special effects weren't bad. That That's the part that makes it tricky is the titties and the special effects. Yeah. I'll give you everything a, else. Sucks. Some of the, a lot of the blood effects of the, the slicing and cutting that were done were CGI. So, uh, so there were CGI involved. Ooh. Shit. 35,000. All right. Aaron's guessed $35,000. Well, you kind of blew your wad again, but again, with these micro budget movies, it's hard, but you still came in over. You can't, you were over. Budget for this movie, $12,400. Holy cow, only 12 I got to say, they did really good work for $12,000. Yeah. 
Um, I was surprised by that too. Um, cause I, I got all this budget background information before I actually watched the movie. It's so like, Oh God, what's going to happen. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Um, nice. So, all right. That brings us to our, uh, reviews, five star reviews. At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. Light versus dark. In the end, when the dust settles, who will be left standing after Mortal Kombat combat? Alright, so five star reviews. There were only 24 total reviews on Amazon. 34 34% <laughs> are five star with 22% one star reviews. So pretty, pretty, close. pretty close split there. However, of those 34% five-star reviews, only two of them were actually written down. They, they just, other people just okay. put five-star and didn't write anything. So Brandon Wan, Wan writes, so awful, it's awesome, five stars. And Sean McCollum mm -hmm. writes, Frank Capra, Billy Wilder, Orson Welles, and now John Lashago, a finer film has never been produced that involves a drug lord, bondage fetishes, crime photography, and of course, evil gnomes that have internet capability. Five stars, for, <laughs> five stars for campiness. Uh, so that's all I got for one stars or five stars. So the one stars are a lot more one stars. A lot more people took the time to write shit about this movie than to praise it. Uh, so I wrote down four of them uh, from too many meows. What is this? More importantly, why is this? I think my brain cells have just been destroyed. Being drunk isn't enough to make, make it through this movie. Mocking it isn't enough to make it through this movie. There were a lot of nice boobs, but you can see those anywhere. It's not enough to save this movie. Bloodsport and bondage and domination, and for some reason the gnomes need people to be either horny or scared and to have blood drawn before they eat them. I don't, I don't, I can't. They're born out of a large vagina detanta, and they are the drugs, and oh God. <laughs> there is no pacing to be speak, spoken of. The climax happens in the last three minutes of the film, and just... Nothing. I keep asking myself, what is the point of this scene? Why is this here? Suicide is a viable life decision. Watch this movie <laughs> if you're a masochist. I can't recommend to anyone. On the other hand, if you want to be immortal, watch Blood Gnome. Time will never end and you'll be young forever. One star. Uh, from, Pretty good review. From Ghoulie Girl. In this unofficial sequel to Critters, or maybe it's Ghoulies, a bunch of evil latex puppets terrorize anyone foolish enough to partake in BDSM. The sad part is there's almost an interesting idea here, but it totally wasted. It would have been nice if the writer would have actually done some research rather than just watching Exit to Eden a couple of times and assuming he knew anything about the <laughs> fetish community. There's a goofy walkthrough by Scream Queen Julie Strain, which may be the highlight of the movie, sad to say. This movie would make Lloyd Kaufman, Roger Corman, and Char Charlie Band cringe. One star. From I Am God, somebody's got a complex there. I Am God writes, honestly, this has to be the worst movie ever made, period. The main problem with this is, with this is, is it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. What's even worse is the DVD extras. It shows the director ranting and rambling on about how good this movie is and how it relates to his life. This guy must have had one fucked up childhood <laughs> if he's going to portray it about gnomes and bondages. In conclusion, if you want to roll on the floor laughing as I did, rent this movie immediately. One star. And lastly, from Sherry E. Barker, 
This movie was not kosher with me. It's almost as if the director started this project solely for the purpose of to see naked girls. I sincerely believe rental places should pay the customers for removing the foul stench of movies or places over all the other movies surrounding it on the shelf. As incredibly and exhaustingly consuming of your mind this is, you will feel as if you're looking back at the time you watch this movie while on your deathbed hoping you had those two hours replaced by any memory other than this cinematic lobotomy. The person responsible for this waste more than likely could have made more money selling ice cubes to Eskimos. One star. You saw this movie three times. Three times I've watched this movie. Yeah, I, I watched this one three times. Um, I watched it the first time uh, when I, once I got just, you know, watched through and see what it was like. I, the second time I watched it was when I was taking my notes. And then I watched it immediately following back-to-back viewings. I watched it the third time with the director's commentary on. You know, to see if I, you know, there's any notes or anything I pick up on it, bro. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, the director's commentary again. It, it wasn't bad, but it's it's pretty shitty. Like it's about eighty percent of it is just the the director going about talking about technical mumble jumble, like, oh look how great I am with do, doing this shot, and look how I pulled this off doing this, and, all, and a lot of lighting talk, so much lighting talk, and like, oh I did this, and mm. I have to use this effect, and you have to use this, and I'm so great for pulling this off, and blah blah blah, and then the guy who played Daniel just they're like. Yeah, uh, I remember I was tired in this scene, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about the blood gnome. Or it, it, it's it's terrible commentary. It's really bad. Um, but there you have it. there. There's there's other people's takes. So that brings us to our final talks, our our takes on this. Aaron, what, what do you got this week? What what's your final thoughts on this? Okay, so Brandon Schneider recommended Blood Gnome. So here we are watching Blood Gnome. Keep the request coming, guys. But uh, yeah, it's—I gotta say—it's unique. It had a it had an idea that was unique to horror movies. I mean, the BDSM community is out there, and uh, they—I'm sure they're they're horror enthusiasts as well, or probably lean that way. So to make a horror movie around that subculture is kind of interesting. I gotta admit, that's an interesting take. Um, and there were good lighting shots. Honestly, there were good camera tricks here and there. There was good editing. Uh, the acting wasn't horrible. It's some of the characters, like the chief, that chick, she sucks, but apparently she's the only one who auditioned for the part. She could <laughs> no, say she's the, the only word one, who, she's the only one who auditioned that could pronounce maniacal. Other people auditioned, but they couldn't pronounce maniacal properly. Good Lord. <laughs> so, uh, so it had some positives going for it, but the negatives were, it didn't make any fucking, half the time it didn't make too much sense. I mean, you're making this drug, I guess you're, it, we kind of put it together at the very end. Are, are, is she making drugs out of the placental juices of this mother creature who we don't know where it came from? Uh, is there any sort of satanic tie-in? Is there an otherworldliness? You're talking about these creatures, but it's like, oh yeah, they just showed up one day. You know, there's no substance there. And then fucking Daniel with his dead wife photo on the wall and his crazy ass. He's not <laughs> someone you're like really rooting for either. The no. guy's kind of out there. So, and he's, he's, he's a really weak actor and kind of a weak character. So that, that part sucks for it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have to say so bad it's good. Because of the uniqueness of the actual movie and the kind of just the, the, the theme they're going for, they went all balls out with the, with the titties and the BDSM shots and, you know, the, the, the rope work and that stuff. And that, if that's, it's not my thing, but I kind of appreciated that they're making it almost for that community or like at least trying to shed some light. It's, it's an interesting choice. 
So oh. that's that's because of that, and because I found out also twelve thousand dollars, they get a lot of good stuff. I'm gonna say check it out at least once, but just uh, make sure the kids are in bed, not for the gore, just for the ridiculous amount of titties. That's a good point. Uh, you made a lot of good points. Um, I too, I'm saying so bad's good, man. I too, I'm saying I'm going there. Like, I thought this was going to be absolute garbage. Like when I saw the cover and I saw it on like, you know, on Amazon, I'm looking it up. I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be so bad. This is garbage. And I got him like, but he said, I right at that first scene. Like, okay, this isn't so bad. And then I got hooked. Like I, I liked it. It is terrible. It's a bad movie. And like I said, very little is ever explained. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But at the same time, I, I like the movie. I, I don't know what happened to me. I don't know what happened. Why that is. I can't make sense of it. But it's I enjoyed it. It, it. I like the uniqueness of it. It is. Like I said, the first time, you know, somebody doing something that, that BDSM community has kind of been an untapped uh, a, a, a community in, in, in the film world, especially, and I guess you would see it. I'm surprised we haven't seen it more in the horror genre, honest, to be honest with you. Um, so that's that. They, they tried something new. Uh the, the the effects for the for that micro budget were pretty damn good. Uh, I wasn't I really wasn't that bored with it. Like there's enough ridiculousness going on in this movie that I'm like okay, even if it's bad acting and kind of drawn out, like you can at least kind of enjoy yourself with the, the silliness and the ridiculousness of everything going on. That yeah, I say it's worth watching. If you can get your hands on a copy, I'm not saying go out and buy a copy of it right now, but if you are stumble upon it for cheap or just you, you know somebody you can borrow a copy from. Uh, I 100% say give it a watch at least once, at least once. But yeah, make sure no kids around. There's so much nudity yeah. in this movie, so much adult. Like it's it, it it's yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there it is, man. I'm done. I've uh, that's my that's my point, and I I'm I'm putting my my whip of approval on it. And so <laughs> so bad's good, man. I, Brandon Schneider, I thought you I, you know I think you thought you were gonna get us with this one, uh, maybe. But turns out we liked it, man. Sorry. It's yeah. a weird one. But keep the, re- like Aaron said, keep the requests coming, guys. We really appreciate all those requests. Keep them coming. Uh, we're trying to get through as many of those uh, listeners suggested uh, movies as we, as we can. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we talked about it earlier, the BDSM community not being tapped very well for horror. But it's so crazy because, like, we've been to horror conventions where you see people in this type of dress and garb. And then uh, even at CreepyCon, they had people doing suspension from the hook. Yeah, there was like a full uh, BDSM then, like show like at the CreepyCon in yeah. Knoxville last year. Yeah, it, it, they do kind of go hand and, in and hand. I don't know enough about that subculture if they're saying, well, that's not quite what we do. I apologize if that's if I'm, if I'm off base, but I don't think I am. Uh, I think it's something that it, it tipped the scales for so bad it's good for me because of that. They did. I did In the comedy, they did say the director did say that they had an onset consultant who I guess was in the BDSM community to help out with like terminology or like, again, doing all the, the weird rope knots and the rope tricks that people were tied up in yeah. and, and kind of consulting on that. Uh, which makes me like, if there, I, I would love to talk to it. actually an actual BDSM participant, like ongoing, like that's your thing. And if you've watched this movie and like, get your take on like what what you know is it accurate like what's wrong is it what they doing is pretty accurate or, or I'd be very intrigued to talk to somebody who who's in that world who has seen this movie and get their opinion on it. So if by some miracle chance you're out there, give us a contact us man. I'd love to talk to you about this movie and, and get your thoughts. But uh, with that said, man, I, 
I don't know. I guess we'll wrap it up for this week. You got anything else you want to uh, say or plug, Aaron, before we wrap it up? Nope. I'm I'm good, baby. All right. Well, then that's going to do it for oh, us. Wait. Oh, wait. No, I, 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 do, I do take that back. There is, yes. Uh, Here Comes a Spooky Podcast is back at it. So they just released an episode yesterday. So if you want to check out uh, Cincinnati Jeff and Notches of Werewolf, they're back after a hiatus. Uh, Cincinnati Jeff had a baby girl. And, you know, COVID hit and all that stuff, but they're back and uh, rolling again. Good, 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 good plug right there. So that's going to do it for us, Moon Goons. Thanks for listening. You know what comes next. Watch more horror movies. And remember to always whip it, whip it good, and keep it tight.